That was um, Colin Thackeray, an 89-year-old pensioner who earlier in the year took out Britain's Got Talent and he got invited back to Britain's Got Talent, the champions, and that was his fourth round audition where he was singing uh, Ed Sheeran's song, Supermarket Flowers. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. Uh, He was married to Joan for 66 years. His heart was broken. But he could sing, a heart that's been broken is a heart that's been loved. So he sang, hallelujah. But do we buy it? I mean, we've lived now for 25 years with the Lion King. My children have been raised with the circle of life. They know that if some young buck comes along and takes me out, well, mum hooks up with the young buck. Isn't that the circle of life? Isn't that what happens? Hearts don't get broken. Hearts move on. Isn't, isn't that what David Attenborough has been teaching us for how many decades now? A heart that's been broken is a heart that's been loved. Do you buy it? I hope so. I hope you do. We're totally different to the animal kingdom. And this morning, we're going to explore that difference. Love is a powerful, powerful indicator of the difference between us and the animal kingdom, but our differences go far beyond our capacity to love. Today, we're going to explore that difference between humanity, the rest of creation. You and I have been made in the image of God. Simba is just a wild beast. Last week, we were reminded that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, Francis Schaeffer has called that the most pregnant sentence in all of Scripture. It means... There's one sentence that is so packed with meaning. It's also been said that the first five words of the Bible, in the beginning, God created, are the most controversial words in the Bible. You see, God created, which means God is creator, and everything else, including humanity, including you, including me, is created. God is God, we are not, and let's be honest for a second, that's controversial because we want to be the center. But we're not. In the beginning, God created. Our church is called The Point, which is a great reminder to us. There is a point, and the point is not us. The point is God. God is the center. God is God and we are not. In the beginning, God created puts us in our place. And this morning, we're going to learn more about our place. Brothers and sisters, we have a purpose in God's creation. Our purpose is to be image bearers. We're only looking at three verses from Genesis. You've got your Bible open, Genesis 1, verse 26. It's a short reading, so I may as well read it again. 
Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, last week we saw that Genesis chapter 1 is a sophisticated piece of literature. There's a deliberate putting together of that chapter. There's the deliberate catchphrases. And God said, and it was so, and it was good. On each of the days, it begins with, each day begins with, and God said. And whatever God said happened, and it was so. And whatever happened, whatever God made, was good. There's a deliberate putting together of chapter 1, which is quite extraordinary. But did you notice, I gave you the hint last week, verse 26, we see a change. It doesn't say, and God says, said, it says, then God said. Like a little drum roll. God was about to do something different and extraordinary. Then God said, in verse 26, it's a deliberate shift. God's saying, pay attention. God's saying, we've reached the pinnacle of creation. The creation of mankind. And to show you I'm not exaggerating, have a look at the last verse of uh, chapter 1. Verse 31. God's reviewing day 6. He's looking over all of creation. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. What's the difference at the end of day six compared to day one, two, three, four, five? I've heard lots of things. I wasn't clear on any of them. I've got a microphone, you don't. Here's what I'm assuming you all said. It's very good. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five was good. It's now very good. What's the difference? Uh, what's now changed? Creation is very good because God now has an image bearer in his creation. We are fundamentally and monumentally different to the animal kingdom because we are created in God's image. Verse 26 starts with then in order to highlight humanity. Day six ends with a declaration, now very good, to highlight humanity. Then chapter two is going to be this huge focus on humanity, not on Simba, not even on those cute little kitten feeds you get on your Facebook post regularly, oh, wasn't that cute? No, chapter two is focused on humanity. We are created in God's image. But what does that mean? What actually is an image bearer? Well, one of the first things we can learn from chapter 1, just within the context here, is uh, verse 26 says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Uh, 
Mankind is to rule within God's kingdom. And verse 28, we see that picked up again. We're, we're to fill the earth, we're to subdue the earth, we're to have dominion over the earth. Dominion means to rule. Rule not as in, let's just take everything from this world and this creation and use it for us because we're all great. Rule as in manage, as Lynn prayed, that, that we would be good stewards with all that God has put in this world. And so part of being created in God's image includes the idea of having dominion. There's two other common views of what it means to have dominion. Uh, My guess is if you were to ask everyone in your group, your point group this week, what does it mean that we're created in God's image? Two answers would be put on the table. Uh, The first one would be we're rational. We, We can think, at least in our better moments. Uh, we're not like the animal kingdom. We, we, we have rational thoughts. And the other one would be responsibility. We can love. We, we can relate to each other in a way that the animal kingdom cannot. Yeah, I know you also get Facebook posts on cute little animals that love each other. But we are fundamentally different in our ability to be able to relate and love with each other too. True, true, true. Thinking, loving, ruling are very important aspects of what we are supposed to do as image bearers. But there's a problem. If we reduce the image of God to rational, relational and ruling, they're all descriptions of what we do. But they're not actually kidding the heart of what we are. So let's spend a couple of minutes thinking about this word image. In the ancient world, when kings conquered a new land, they would leave an image in the land to indicate that the land is now ruled by this new king. Often this image was called an icon or an idol. Sometimes it was a statue to signify this is the new king of this new land. Sometimes it was a plaque indicating that this new kingdom now rules this land. It was an image letting everyone know this land now belongs to the king of the Sumerians. Brothers and sisters, God made us in his image. We're created to let all of creation know creation belongs to God. That's our job. We're the crown jewel in God's creation because we're his image. And it gets better. Because at this point you're thinking, well, so I'm just a statue. I'm just a plaque. Turn over two pages. In my Bible, I've got to do two flicks. Maybe yours is only one. Turn over to Genesis chapter 5. I wonder if you've ever seen this before. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. So we're going to look at the family tree of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Yep, we got that from chapter 1. Male and female, he created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Yeah, we saw that in chapter 1. And when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. 
People who know my family will make comments on which children look like Nicole and which children look like me. And uh, it's not just looks, is it? It it can be personality and and behaviour traits as well. And and I've learnt from this experience. Whenever the kids misbehave, I'm like, oh, they're in Nicole's image and likeness. (laughs) Genesis 1 tells us, We're created in the image and likeness of God. Genesis 5 tells us that image and likeness carry personal meaning. God hasn't simply created statues. God deliberately created family members. Which means something very, very important. In order to know who you are, You need to know who God is. And so we're going to spend a couple of minutes reminding ourselves who God is. We we really need a couple of hours, don't we? A.W. Tozer once wrote that what first comes to mind when you first think about God is the most important thing about you. When you think about God, do you imagine an almighty creator who is impossible to contain or tame? Do you imagine a God who spoke and billions of galaxies came into existence? When when the Bible captures the weight of God's grandness, it uses the word glory and an associated word holy. We see this in Isaiah 6. That's worth turning. Turn up to Isaiah 6. The prophet Isaiah is getting an image of God in his throne room and he's hearing angels speak in the presence of God. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. And one called to another, one angel called to another angel and said, Holy, holy, holy. Now when the Bible was first written, computers weren't around. Did you know that? And so there wasn't the ability to highlight the word holy and put it in bold and large font. So to put it in bold and large font, it repeated, holy, holy, holy. What were the angels saying to each other? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his, and what are you expecting? Holy, but it says glory. The association of God's glory and God's holiness, and this is the biggest thing that is said about him amongst the angels in the throne room. Our God is holy and full of glory. God has a glory that is going to make our hearts sing forever ever and ever we love to talk and think and worship the glory of God rightly so band keep leading us in worship songs about the glory of God we're not as eager to talk and think and worship the holiness of God which is to our shame did you know the word that most used to describe God in the Bible is holy not love. 
I'm not saying if this is your first time here, if you're checking out Christianity, God is very loving. But the word most often used to describe God in the Bible is holy. God's glory and God's holiness go hand in hand. God is slow to anger, full of grace and mercy and love. And God is holy. Make no doubt, God will not clear the guilty. God is love and justice. God is glorious and holy. God is kind and severe. Turn over to Romans 11. Have you ever encouraged each other with these words to know God in this way? Romans 11 verse 22. always make the preacher happy when he hears pages turning in your Bible. It's good to hear you looking up the Bible. Romans 11.22, note then the kindness and severity of God. Our God is full of glory and love and mercy and grace and he is holy. He does not turn a blind eye to sin. He is kind and severe which presents a huge problem for us image bearers. Can you tell us what the, can you tell me what the problem is? I'm just looking for one word here. Our problem as image bearers, if God is both glorious and holy, what's our problem? Sin. Nailed it. Our biggest problem is sin. And in a couple of weeks, we will look at chapter 3 and see how Adam and Eve and their rebellion has brought sin into the world. Instead of being overjoyed with the task of being God's glory image bearers in the world, they wanted to grab glory for themselves. It's a massive problem. Sin smashes the very reason we exist. We exist to be images of the glory and holiness of God. And instead... We choose to be image bearers of the big glory robber, Satan. But more on that when we get to Genesis 3. God has a solution for our big problem. Turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He, as in God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus, son of God, born of Mary, is the image of God. Jesus became one of us and perfectly lived the glory, holy image that we fail to live. And so, brothers and sisters, when you turned in repentance and faith to Jesus Christ, not only did God redeem you, save you, forgive all your sins, God also began a massive, restoration work of returning you to the image of God through the perfect image of God, Jesus Christ. 
our image of godness was destroyed in Adam, but it is restored in Jesus. And I hope I've done enough Bible work now that we're just going to jump over to 2 Corinthians and I want us, I want us to see what this all means for us. It's glorious, it's wonderful, it's what we were made for. God always had a plan to fix our broken imageness. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. We don't have the context, do we? But earlier on in chapter 3, Paul was reminding the Corinthians about when Moses used to go up on the mountain and meet and commune with God. When he came back from meeting with God and the glory of God, his face was so shining with the glory of God, he put a veil over it. In the gospel of Jesus... We now get to meet God. We don't need to veil our faces anymore. Uh, We're all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. God in Jesus Christ has begun this restoration work of returning us to be glory, holy image bearers. Therefore, chapter 4, verse 1, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. Oh, look, how about I skip over? I I want to get to verse 6, but Paul's saying, look, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have the transforming power of the gospel to change broken image bearers into image bearers. It's not perfect. It's from one degree to another. It'll be perfect one day. But I want to convince you that this restoration work has happened in you if you're a Christian. Have a look at verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of God. Of Jesus Christ. I reckon that's one of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. You know, it's nigh on impossible for us to imagine how big our universe is. I tried to help us a little bit last week, do you remember? If we were to build a road from Earth to the Sun, it would take us 171 years to drive to the Sun. If we were traveling at 100 kilometers per hour every hour of every day for those 171 years. That, that, That's a long journey, isn't it? No, you don't get a pit stop. You've got to keep going, otherwise you won't make it in 171 years. Do you remember how long it would take to drive across the road across our galaxy? A trillion years. And then we're told our galaxy is not even the only galaxy in the universe. There are billions of galaxies. How do I describe to you right now in this moment the power of God? And God said, and it was so, billions of galaxies exist. That's incomprehensible power. And God exerted that same power according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 in you when he converted you. God began a process of piecing you back together as his image bearer. And it's a process. 
from one degree of glory to another. And so bringing all of this together, what are we supposed to learn from Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 28? What, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? I mean, we don't live in 4000 BC and, and we don't live in North Korea. We don't put up statues of our leaders. The modern West doesn't use statues, icons or idols. But we do use image bearers every single day. When I said that at Salt yesterday, everyone started looking at their phone. I was actually thinking of the mirror. Every day you and I look into a mirror. We look at our image every day. And mirrors are a helpful metaphor when it comes to thinking about the image of God. We were made by God in the image of God. When the rest of creation looks at us, they're supposed to see a reflection of the glory and holiness of God. Now sin takes a rock and smashes the mirror. And God could have abandoned his creation at that point of our rebellion. Instead, Jesus became one of us, except without sin. Jesus perfectly reflected the glory and holiness of God. And so there's good news. We can be restored, albeit imperfectly for now. When you look at me, when I look at you, there's cracks, there's blotches. But make no doubt, brothers and sisters, at your conversion, when you put your life in the hands of Jesus Christ, God began an incomprehensible restoration work. And when Jesus returns, God is going to complete that work. So that in the new heavens and the new earth, we will perfectly and forever reflect the glory and holiness of God. Yesterday I had travelled down to Harrington and I saw a dead dog on the side of the road and I thought, oh, that's sad. But I didn't stop. If it was a dead human, I would have. Didn't matter whether I knew him or not. Didn't matter if they were 100 years old and sort of had it coming. There's a massive difference between a dead dog and a dead human. Brothers and sisters, we're made in the image of God. And yes, a heart that's been broken is a heart that's been loved. And part of what it means to be created in the image of God is that, that we can love and that we can think and that we have dominion. But being created in the image of God means so much more than that. We're God's image bearers on this planet to reflect his glory and his holiness. Do you know when I started preparing this sermon, actually mentally, I guess a year ago, because of putting the sermon series together, I thought we were going to spend all this time on uh, male and female who made them. 
And then hunkering down this week and just realizing, wait a minute, there's so much more. We've got chapter 2 and chapter 3 coming up. We can deal with male and female and we've got lots of time to do that. And so I'm going to come back again next week. We're going to gather again next week and just think about some of the implications of what it means for us to be image bearers of God's glory and holiness and the restoration work he's now doing in Jesus Christ. The image of God is our very reason for existence. We exist to spread a passion for God's glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and we long to see this world full of his glory. Amen? Amen. Let me pray and then the band's going to come and lead us some more in song.